Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kicks and Picks podcast. We're here for our season roundup. Uh, incredibly, the season is over. We had uh, some surprises to discuss, some things that maybe were expected. Uh, my team, first trophy in 14 years. So Ooh, I will be wait. bragging about that. I could not wait, Nick, because I am the only one who has a team here with a European trophy after the, the season wrapped up. So I will take that. Scott, I have a question for you, though. Why, why in the hell was Liverpool holding a parade that Trent Alexander-Arnold was promoting? Because they didn't win the Champions League or the Premier League. So They won, they won two trophies. Yeah, like weeks season. ago, though. They don't, don't you usually yeah, celebrate the trophy after you win it? No, they always do one parade. Um, and they also had the Premier League trophy, too, because they could do a parade from when they won the Premier League during COVID. So they had yeah. three trophies to go on. Nick, what up parade did Lazio have? They hosted the kicks and picks easy over into the season. Um, don't you guys put that as a slight? That's an amazing no. accomplishment. They They're- also finished ahead of Roma, which like if you talk to certain section of fans on both sides, that's like the most important thing you can do. Um, yeah. So I know some Lazio fans were very happy about that. Some Roma fans very upset. So that's what they'll have to take into the offseason. They're going to wait for September 1st if they hold on to Chiro Mobile and throw a parade for that. The, they the should have to Mobile parade. No <laughs> doubt about that. Top score in the league, I think, what, fourth time with the team? I think it'll be the key if we keep SMS parade. I think that'd be the one they'd be more oh, excited that's not about. Happening. I don't think I, I don't think Chiro's going anywhere. <laughs> Listen, but if, if they cash in for 100 plus, then they can throw a parade for that. Goodbye, Tammy. Partner, <laughs> partner with Chiro. There you go. Just do a straight swap. Yeah. What do we got this episode, Coach? What's everybody so, looking uh, forward to? We're going to go with the EPL first. We'll go to Serie A, and then we'll talk a little Europe. And, of course, our uh, kicks and picks, I guess, awards of the season. A little a little unorthodox compared to most awards you see at the end of the season, but Nick's got a few that he wants to throw out there. So, let's, Scotty, let's start with the EPL. Obviously, City held on last day of the season. Your your Liverpool side looked like they might have a shot, but uh, yep. who was it that, that, that blew it on you real bad? Was It, it was Villa, yeah. Villa, that's Steven right. Steven yep. Gerrard's. Aston Villa team had the had the uh, was it two zero lead going into the eightieth minute and then or seventy eighth minute I think and then three goals in five minutes. Um, it's tough. I mean, it was there was a point or in the last match that I didn't think Liverpool were going to get the goal that they needed. Um, it was a very like you could tell they were getting leggy and, and Wolves' defense we've talked about has been strong all season long. So uh, was a concern there that I didn't think it was even going to matter. And then once Liverpool got the goals that they needed and had the lead in the, in their match, obviously all eyes kind of go on to the, the Aston Villa game where they're up 2-0. but once city got that first goal, yeah. that was, Blood that was, it. That, was yep. it. that was, that was all that they needed. Um, so, so you know what city screwed me though on the last day season, because I didn't text this to you. You were in Hawaii enjoying your honeymoon and, and watching your team let it slip away. So I don't want to you know hurt your feelings, but city screwed me, Nick. I don't know if you remember this parlay I had put in, on the last day of the season, I had Liverpool minus 1.5, Tottenham to keep a clean sheet, Arsenal over one and a half total team goals, over two and a half goals in the leeds Brentford match, and City to win uh, minus 1.5. And the only thing that did not hit was City. They won 3-2, and they screwed what would have been a really, really nice parlay. Jeez. So uh, I think it ended up being like plus 1,000 with the 30% boost I had. So that was, that was a painful way. So I felt your pain that last day. Well, it, it basically right. sounds to me that you – jinxed manchester city to win basically because that's the most painful way you could have lost the parlay yeah. so of course yeah. that's what's going to happen no doubt. so thanks for that coach <laughs> wouldn't be the first time city would cost this podcast the parlay yeah yeah not. i just figured they would have come out guns a blazing to clinch the title but it, they, they definitely sweated it out uh the other you know spot that was up was that last champions league spot 
And I called it a while ago. Got to give it to you on that. I, I called yeah. it. I said yep. Conte Spurs. And I think they were in sixth place at the time. I said they have some matches in hand. And they gutted it out. And they, they finished off Arsenal in the end. So, so I don't think any of us doubted that. But you were definitely um, conducting that train. I think you had the most confidence in the team. Whereas uh, Scott and I were a little more skeptical. So shout out Coach Steve. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, Arsenal probably had the same problem that Liverpool kind of ran into just in different ways at the end of the season. They just ran out of gas. You know, Arsenal, I think, had the strongest 11, um, you know, but they were really relying on those four guys up front to kind of carry them. And, you know, throughout the full season, they start to wear down. Their their subs aren't as, as strong and they're not deep of a squad as Tottenham was. So eventually Tottenham pulled ahead and, and, and kind of kept that. Through the, through the end of the month of, of May. So congrats to the Spurs. I mean, I, Nick and I were talking about it. I would have much preferred Arsenal in the top four just because I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, transfer competition between Arsenal and, and the other teams in the, in the top three based off of just who they have as a manager. But Conte is, he can go into pretty much any league in, in, in Europe and, and talk to, you know, any of the best players I and mean, probably make a pretty convincing argument to join his squad now that they're in the Champions League. I don't know that Arteta would have had the same level of success. So Tottenham, good for them. I mean, they, I think this was a make or break season for them, honestly. Yep. Uh, if they didn't make it, Conte probably leaves. They go on to their third manager in three years. And without Champions League football, you know, I think Kane and, and maybe some of their other stars you know, take a take a hike. So they needed so, it and they got it. Track me on this. How old is Kane? Is he 30? 30. 30, yep probably his I shouldn't say that we've seen guys perform but like could it be his last hurrah next year if he stays with the team 30 31 30 you know like it sounds like he's gonna extend well so here's the thing with Kane he wants to stick around because he wants to probably have the the highest the the goal record for most goals by an English player in the Premier League Um, so I think he's chasing down Alan Shearer on that and then his style of play is changing a little bit because he used to just be this true number nine for the first, whatever, seven years that he's been at Spurs or six years or whatever it is. Um, but lately he's been a lot more of like a creator. Um, he hasn't been like the poacher finisher. He's been setting up son and he was setting up Kulisevsky and Lucas and, and a lot of these guys, his passing and distribution has been, you know, top notch. So I think you'll probably start to see him switch into more of that role as he gets older. So it's not necessarily to be him making the runs behind and trying to score to be him, you know, the other four is playing off of him and, and getting goals off of his distribution. Yeah, it, it kind of saw that transformation a little bit with Jekko through the years. He started to withdraw more into midfield, depending on who the players were around him at Roma. So I could see that. And Kane is is not bad doing that, right, from what we've seen. And you took the words out of my mouth. With with Conte in charge now and Champions League money, they're going to make some investment for Conte. I saw Alessandro mm-hmm. Bastoni's already linked. If they could land him, he's one of the most promising center backs in Italy right now at like 23 years old. Um, they already brought in Ivan Pierce, Perisic. I know it's not a move you particularly are scared of as a Liverpool fan, but well, that's a dude that's got to be 40. Yeah. He's like 34, but yeah. 34 year old wingers don't really, he yeah. does what Conte wants to do. You know, he's going to, he's going to do that dirty work, even if he's not a full-time starter. So Conte is going to get his, his players quote unquote, right. He's going to get his yep. type of guys. And I think you're right. Arsenal would not have presented that same problem for yeah. Chelsea and city yeah. and, and Liverpool. And well, this, let's give him credit. Look at what he did with a couple of rejects out of city. Ah, you know what I mean? Look what he like, did with the look what he did with the Italy side that he took to the uh, quarterfinals of Euro. What was it? Uh, Twenty sixteen, I think. And so, that was like the worst on paper Italy side you would have guessed until they didn't qualify for the World oh, Cup. No, did you see that? Right? Depends. Did you see today's game? Well, I said before they didn't oh, okay. qualify for the World Cup, right? You yeah, know, yeah, never yeah, thought gotcha. an Italy side would have been that bad on paper, and he took them to the uh, a shootout against the the Germans. So, so here's, he gets here's a lot out of guys. Conte 
with money, buying the players that he wants to buy, they're an instant contender, right? Mm -hmm. I think we could all agree with that. Players who want to go there now, all of a sudden they're in the Champions League. Um, Can City, can Liverpool keep it up? Who knows? Now, I mean, they're not Chelsea of this year, right? Chelsea was a pretender. I think they're instantly better than Chelsea next year if he's allowed to spend money. Yeah, it'll be interesting because Levy is, is not necessarily known to just give his managers what they want. He, he usually you know, tries to find the best value in, in football. But I mean, we've, we've already seen the club has you know, done this new financial investment that's basically you know, opened up 150 million uh, pounds in, in funds for them that they claim are going to be committed to Conte reinforcing the yeah, squad. I, was so, say, I just don't think Conte goes there if that's the case. Right. I think well, he knows that up front. And I think they're going to spend some money. Yeah, they'll, they'll spend some. They'll spend some money. They've spent money before when they sold bail. Didn't really work out for them. I think yeah. they had six transfers in and five of them were sent out within the next like two or three seasons. Yeah. They, just they have them. to so. spend smart. And no matter who you are, how much money you spend, you have to spend the right way. So, yeah. I mean, we've seen, look at Barcelona now. They spend a lot of money. Now they're in massive debt and they're not the same team. So it, it can be, it can go two ways, spending money. Um, talking about staying in the Premier League though, shout out to American manager, Jesse Marsh got the job done on the last day of the season with Leeds, got that win that I had mentioned in my, my over that I hit that day. And uh, it's Burnley who goes down. I never thought I'd be upset about Burnley getting relegated because they've historically just been a horrible team to watch in the Premier League, um, just like the worst representation of football style that you can imagine. But I am disappointed because it wasn't Everton. We were very close, guys. Oh, so so close. close. But – Somehow Lampard pulled out two 1-0 wins over the last five games and up they stay by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. And they got railed by Arsenal the last match oh, of the season. God, yeah. Five nothing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. They didn't mean anything in the end, but it was, it was a smackdown. And I think, yeah, they had a, a worse goal differential than, than Burnley was all said and done too. So it's, you know, they just snuck through. Yep. Yeah. Burnley just didn't score goals. I mean, it, it came down to that. Yeah. All three of those teams that got relegated, really, Norwich, Burnley, and Watford, they just couldn't score, and that's what it comes down to. And deserved, right? I mean, especially Norwich and Watford. I mean, those two teams were just disasters all season long. They, at no point did they really seem like they were going to be a team that was going to be safe or even in, like close to the mid-table. Um, I think Leeds fell a lot in the end there, but you know, Marsh pulled it out in the end, getting four points in his last two games, which was just enough to, to escape. Um, so I don't have the facts here, but I have to imagine a negative 37 goal differential has to be the highest ever for a team not relegated. I'm going to stamp be. that as fact. I, yeah. I, I mean, nobody yeah. check me on that. If you're listening, I don't care if I'm wrong. It sounds like I'm right. And yeah. I'm going with it. I, I'll go one step further. I think 79 goals allowed is probably the most ever by a team that managed to stay up. Yeah, there <laughs> That's you go. probably it. So yeah. It's a little early. Uh, I, we do want to give Leeds an award. They helped start the easy overs movement. Hashtag easy overs. Um, they're staying up and we get one more year of betting on them to give up a shit ton of goals. So shout out Leeds. Yeah. I mean, if you combine the goals allowed from Burnley and Liverpool, it's the same amount as allowed by Leeds, which is there you go. pretty remarkable. <laughs> and that is one of the movements that was started on this show. But Scott, there's another one and they'll be coming to the Premier League next season. Yeah, for those of you that paid attention to the FA Cup, um, when Liverpool had the draw for Nottingham Forest, I uttered my trademark phrase now, Nottingham Forest are a problem. because they, they wiped out Arsenal, I think, 3-1 in their matchup. Um, they've had a, another Premier League team that they knocked out prior to that. So they've been on the radar since you know late January, early February, and they got it done. They've, they've been promoted. I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch, although it seems like there's um, 
some some rumors about their team transfer wise that maybe some of their better players might be moving on to other teams in the Premier League, um, whether or not it's because they were loaned out or, or there's already agreements in place. So we'll see how that that happens. It'd be unfortunate for them if, if two or three of their top players were, were plucked out before they had a full Premier League campaign. But, you know, it, we've seen it happen before. You know, sometimes these teams get promoted and then they just invest right right away in that first summer. That's usually the best bet. Um, so we'll, we'll see what they do if they if they lose players who they who they bring in and uh, you know they've been an exciting attacking team all season in, in uh, the championship so I'm hoping they continue to bring that to the Premier League because it's it's a lot more fun when you have teams that are out and trying to play and, and win games rather than the Burnleys of the world that just try to sit back and get the point to keep them in safety. Yeah, so Scott, you're our EPL guy, stud and dud of the EPL season before we head over to Italy. Yeah, I think my stud of the season, I'm going to give it to a Spurs player. I'm going to give it to Hingman uh, Son. Uh, co-Golden Boot winner uh, with Salah. Uh, really came on strong the second half of the year. I think played off of Kulisevsky really, really well. Uh, I think he's the main reason why Tottenham are in the Champions League uh, next year. I think his, his goal scoring, obviously, is what kind of brought them over the hump, uh, especially in the last few weeks. I think he had like eight goals in the last like you know nine or ten games, something like that. So, He's going to get my stud of the season, uh, mostly for the second half. Uh, my dud is the most obvious dud of the season, uh, and that's going to be Harry Maguire. Uh, just oh. has been bad <laughs> for Manchester United. Uh, I think Manchester United had probably one of their you know, overall worst seasons uh, that they've had in a long, long time. I mean, they ended up still in sixth place getting into the Europa competition, so you guys can play them uh, t- next year in, in uh, Europa. But uh, And that's another upset, man. They were – so damn close to not even making it. We talk about Everton almost getting relegated. It came down to inches for United to, to make that Europa league. Yeah. They, they got lucky with West Ham dropping all three points in the the last game of the season uh, because they didn't help themselves. Uh, They also lost. So I'm going to give it to to Maguire. I mean, he's the 80 million pound man. He is the guy that, you know, has all these expectations. He's the captain. I think that's the work of even the worst part of it all is he's the captain of that, that team. Uh, And he's, to say he was a liability, I think, is a, a nice way of, of saying it because he really was just bad uh, all season long. It'll be interesting to see what they do uh, in, the, in the summer. I mean, I, I assume they're going to want to bring in another center back and whether or not he retains his, his spot in the starting 11 remains to be seen. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So Italy, not as, uh, I'll say, I guess it wasn't a surprise no. that Milan won because of the state of the league, but not as dominant of a team at the top of the table as we've seen in recent seasons. You know, City and Liverpool were always meant to duke it out. It was always probably going to come down to Inter and Milan in the end just because Juve had a down season. But I have to say, Nick, to me, this is – and this is not a knock on Milan. This is a compliment to them, really, and maybe more of a knock on the league, that this is probably the weakest roster I've seen win a title in Italy in probably my 15 years watching the league, I think. There's no doubt about it. Um, They had some guys in the back that – Nobody really heard of coming into this year. Um, they had a goalie that came from France that questions on how he was going to replace Donnarumma. Um, and you had a 40 year old strike 40 and a, I don't know how old Giroud is. Scott's my age check guy. If you guys haven't figured it out, he's 35. I, I have 34. to imagine Giroud is in that mid thirties category. So yeah. you had two strikers who were 35 and 40, 41, 42. I don't know. Zlatan could be a hundred question marks everywhere. And they pulled it off. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to rewind to one of the earliest episodes of the podcast we had. Uh, you guys may or may not have listened. It was like a two-hour show. We had uh, we previewed the, the Milan Derby back in, I want to say it was what, 
February, January, January, February, February, yeah. Um, and previewing that game, five of us all thought Inter was going to run away with the game. Inter, I think, was up one nothing or two nothing um, at half. And that game wound up being the turning point of the season for Milan. They came back. They won that game. I believe Giroud scored the winning goal. And they haven't really looked back since. A couple of hiccups, but I think they ran the table. They won their last five games or so. They had the hardest schedule going into the end of the season, um, playing some good teams. And they just took care of business. They had no doubter. I mean, I think they were up 3 nothing at half the final game of the season. So credit to them. Yeah, they, no, they did. They, I just looked back. It was February 5th. They were up one nothing in that match. Uh, Giroud braced in the second half, won them the match, and really opened the title race back up. Because we said if Inter had won, it was, it was you know, they were probably I mean, going to run away with it. Eight or nine points at that yeah. point. So, And uh, you mentioned the schedule at the end. Credit to them. They beat Lazio 2-1 uh, April 24th, and they played Fiorentina 1-0 win. Those are two teams that qualified for Europe. They beat Hellas Verona, who's been a thorn in a lot of the big team sides, 3-1 beat Atalanta 2-0, and then beat uh, Sassuolo 3-0, who's been another team that's been a thorn inside of big big clubs all season. And they ran the, they ran the table in those five matches to lock Convincingly. it up. Like, I don't think it was yeah. any of those wins were in doubt. Yeah, it was it was a well-deserved uh, trophy for them, well-deserved. Uh, Stefano Pioli finally shakes the the title of, you know, the, the manager who's not really good enough to win anything. He's kind of like the guy who's, you know, he's he can keep you at, like, in maybe in the European spots. Maybe he fixes you in a crisis, but can't win. And he did, um, you know, and then it was Inter, Napoli, and Juve rounded out the top four. No surprises. That was locked up weeks ago. Uh, Europa League will be Nick and my side, the two Roman sides, Lazio and, and Roma. Uh, Roma technically qualified twice because they won the Conference League and finished sixth. So that Remi- was... Oh, sixth. Okay. I just wanted six. to remind the listeners yeah. where they finished. It's okay, okay. But Roma got the trophy <laughs> in, uh, on top of it. So, uh, and then seventh was uh, Fiorentina, who hasn't been in Europe in a while. They will go to the Conference League, which means probably our dud of the season in Serie A, Nick, has to be Atalanta, in my opinion, no? Oh, no doubt about it. Um, shout out, Scotty. He started the movement there, you know, from... Well, that's the question. Is, can they be the dud of Serie A when they are hashtag Serie B? Is that fair? I don't even know if that's I think it's fair, fair to them. I think it's fair. <laughs> um, you know, what? once <laughs> they, they've been the darling of the league for the past four or five years. Yeah. They, listen, they've made Champions League. They've had a lot of um, good business, right? Finding players who are nobody really paying attention to, bringing them in. Um getting those guys through the system and, you know, really showing growth and a lot of potential on the field, selling them for a ton of money, rinse and repeat. Uh, But doing that while making champions league over the past three or four seasons, huge feat for them, but this is the year it all came crashing down. Uh, They definitely did have a lot of injuries. Um, You know, a lot of the teams that finished above them a little more consistent, not to say that any of those teams, I mean, I think from UA on down, nobody set the league on fire, right? Lots of Roma. Juventus all certainly had their struggles this year, but Atalanta, the, the lack of quality, the lack of, um, I almost want to say imagination, right? Gasparini kind of ran out of, ran out of changes to make. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it was just a yeah, long time coming. The Zabata injury killed them once he went down in around January. I mean, Scotty had told us yeah. before we came on the last 21 matches, I think 22 points. Not, right. That's, that's like relegation type performance you know Scotty uh, saw it I mean it was right when betting first became yeah. legal Connecticut New York Florida all the time Listen, and he's like uh, why if, am I if, betting on this team they fucking yeah, stink if you make <laughs> me wake up at 6 a.m to watch an over and you score zero goals uh I'm gonna be against you for the rest of my life so no he, he sniffed <laughs> it out immediately and you've been dead on yeah and that just shows if they had uh 
22 in their last 21 or 21 in their last 22, that means they had 37 in their first, like, you know, uh, right. what, what is 16 matches or so. So it really shows how, how fast the bottom fell out uh, it, for them. Definitely done the season. They were the original easy overs club. I mean, that's they kind were. of what we started with. And then I tried to get on board. Maybe I jinxed them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I put it too much faith in them and waking up to, at 6am to watch this easy over that I thought was going to occur. But since then they've, you know, they struggle to score goals and they still allowed them at a decent clip. That's not a recipe. And, and for one thing we have to say too, they did bring in a pretty quality goalie this year. So that's probably helped the bleeding a little bit on the back end with Musso, but they, they certainly uh, haven't yeah. scored as much. Um, Steve mentioned that Zapata injury was killer. Muriel, you have to imagine he's with another club next year. That dude can't hang anymore, but I, I don't know. I mean, now you're looking at, Lazio and Roma, who have new managers, start of new projects. Roma certainly won something. Uh, new owners, right? You, you imagine the Americans are going to invest. Um, Fiorentina now has a little taste for Europe. You've got Hellas and Sassuolo, who are both right on the doorstep. This could be the end of Atalanta in Europe. I think it really is. Yeah, I mean, they're not in next year, and it's going to be a big season for them to see how they can you know, remain in the mix for Europe because they won't have – the money to invest from Europe. I mean, they are one of the best run clubs in, in Italy in terms of finances, keep balancing their books, but they're going to have to. Doesn't mean smarter. they spend money. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be smart about it. Um, relegation battle in Italy lasted a lot longer than in the premier league in terms of the, all the spots really Venezia and Genoa weren't relegated until about two weeks left in the season officially. Unlike the premier league where Watford and Norwich were, were pretty much down like a month left. Uh, and then it came down to Cali and Salernitana, the last, match day this season Salernitana did end up losing but because Cali absolutely shit the bed uh they got I think it was three four nothing they lost right Nick and then they they ended up being the, the third team yeah. to go down so Cali and Genoa have been steady off stalwarts pretty much since I've been watching the league for about 15 or so years they've been up uh Genoa the first official team in Italy like they're the oldest club in Italy and they are going back down to Serie B for the first time in about 15 years or so uh and Cali has been a mainstay so uh, a little different look in the league next year because Salernitana, I didn't think they were ever going to say this is like Cinderella story of the, of the decade. Of I feel the, like they lost like their first 10 games or something like that. Right? I remember like saying they were, they were probably one of the worst teams I've ever seen in Stadia. And yeah. I remember in January around the close of the Mercato, I did give Walter Sabatini a shout out for trying to improve the roster with some veterans and guys like that. I didn't think they were going to stay up, but it, it was enough. They, they got it done. And their second half of the season was, was pretty solid. That was awesome. And the teams around them, I mean, it has to be said, right? It was easy to pick up points. Uh, nobody else did anything. I, I think, you know, there were pretty much no doubters to go down um, for most of the year. And it, it took one team to say, hey, okay, I need to rattle off, you know, five games, nine points, something like that. Yep. And Sloane Tana did it. Yeah, they yeah. did it. And then they, they did it pretty well. Then I mean, you, you mentioned it, Coach. They did get smacked 4-0 by Udinese on the last day. So they didn't quite, you know, finish the, the get to the cross the finish line strong but if you look at Cagliari they I mean they played last place Venezia Venezia and couldn't score a goal all they that's needed right. was, was one Venezia. goal that's right that's right one goal Venezia. and they would have yeah. been safe and they couldn't do it so in that sense like deserved sorry like your, no your season's on the line you're playing the last place team in the league you just need a goal essentially to get through and you can't do that yeah zero sorry. zero that's yeah. that's awful that's right they were the ones that they ended up drawing it was uh Slarnitano got smacked I got that mixed around but yeah, yeah. and then uh you know, Nottingham Forest is a problem coming to the Premier League. One notable name coming back to Serie A next season, Silvio Berlusconi's Monza. 
first ever promotion in Serie A. So something to keep an eye on next season. Rumors, Rumors of a, about of a, a boy Balotelli coming back. Balotelli oh, reunion. No. So that would certainly make for interesting watching in Italy if, it, if it's not interesting enough for you yet. Uh, uh, Nick, we gave our dud of the season. Who is your stud of the season in Serie A? Man, um, it's really it's really tough to say. Uh, I'm looking. I almost want to give it to Pioli as the coach. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I go back when we had Martino on, he said that consistency was the main difference in this team. Uh, he'd been the coach for two or three years now. You, you mentioned it at the start of the roundup. Uh, you know, this isn't the team that anybody thought was going to win the title. He's managed to, to take them to it. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't know that any other player – one player necessarily stood out to make a complete difference in the league. So I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. And if I just shout out one player on their team, I'd, I'd give Mike Manana a big shout out because he came in, replaced Gigi Donnarumma, who's considered one of the best keepers in Europe. And he was outstanding. He made Milan quickly forget about Donnarumma. And one thing I do want to say, a uh, question I have for the team here, I've seen about a thousand different team of the seasons in Serie A, right? From <laughs> This newspaper, that newspaper, this organization, who scored.com, xg.com, this and that. They all have Theo on their team of the season at left back from Milan. And I, for the life of me, cannot understand how that's possible. Yeah, maybe he scores a goal or two. Yeah, that's that why. dude has absolutely the worst defending skills I think I've ever seen. Awful with the ball. Always looks like he's lost on the field. Somebody explain it to me. And he's a flop, too. Yeah, no, it's exactly you said it. It's because he can score. I think a lot of times these team of the seasons they look more for offensive stats than defensive, even for you know players in the back line. And I mean, we'll transition to this in a second. But an example I could give to you is I saw a quote you know the other day of, of, of from Valverde of Real Madrid who gave some sort of snide comment about Robertson. He said he was watching his son play and said that was more stressful than having to def- to, to man mark Robertson. And I'm like, Robertson's a left back. You don't need to man mark him. He's just coming in and. and you know, whip in some crosses here or there, but he's not exactly like a goal right. threat. So it's like, like the, why the, is this a headline? Eighth or ninth guy that you should <laughs> be worried about on the team. Yeah, like congrats, congrats, Alberta. You know what I think it is too, Nick? Like you think about the other left backs in the league. Gozens got sold halfway through the season, missed a lot of time. Spinazzola was out all season. Mario Rui is trash, right? Yeah, uh, everybody else is trash. You know, there, there's no other real standout with Spinazzola, her, and Gozens not starting every match for Atalanta. So it's almost by default, unless you're going down to like Biragi or somebody, right? I guess so. I don't know. Bidagi had a pretty damn good year. So yeah. I, I'd have given it to him. He was awesome with set pieces too. His team made Europe. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's my complaint for Milan. Yeah. So that's it for the, the two main leagues we cover. The Champions League wrapped up last weekend. I know you guys did a series previewing those matches. And I know, Scotty, you wanted to shout out something that you and Nick called way back before the quarterfinals about Real Madrid, who are now the champions. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough finish for me personally, obviously. I was obviously kind of hoping Liverpool would pull that one out. Um, but we did say in our, our very first preview episode that we did on the quarterfinals, uh, we were looking at Real Madrid playing, I believe that was back when they were playing PSG, right? Yep. Uh, their odds to, their future, their odds to win were like plus 1,400. Um, and that was the one that we called out. If you're putting money down, that was the one because Real Madrid getting anything beyond like plus 1,000 is an unbelievable number. Uh, so if you're putting money down, Put money down Real Madrid at plus 1400. I think you're looking at one of those two Madrid teams in the finals. And if you could have them at plus 1400 or plus 2500, yep. you could easily cash, you could cash out early at that point. You're going to probably be able to get it at 700 to one. 
Definitely. No doubt about it. They ran the gauntlet. They they made through the quarterfinals and semifinals and pretty epic ways. You know that I don't think they were the favored uh, team in either of those matchups, but they pulled through and they got it done in the final. I mean, it's, it's what Real Madrid does best in Europe is they just advance. So uh, credit to us in that regard. Uh, Sad day for me overall, but in a weird way, I, I don't really know how to explain it. It, it felt when I woke up that day that it was Real Madrid's game to, to lose. It was just a weird feeling that I had. So it wasn't even that anti, it wasn't even that, you know, pretty anticlimactic, you know, honestly. Uh, Liverpool haven't played well in finals at all this season, although they won two of them. Um, there's a stat where they had 37 shots on goal in their three finals uh, and they scored zero goals, um, which is pretty, a pretty remarkable stat. Um, so obviously the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, they won both of those in PKs. Uh, this one, they couldn't keep the clean sheet. I think, again, it came down to me like a lot of the fatigue. Uh, that was their 63rd match of the season. It was Salah and Mane's 70th match of the season, which are just unbelievable numbers. Um, they were obviously run down. We saw injuries to Dyke and Fabinho and Thiago leading up to the match. So they definitely weren't at 100%. Um, I think that was just, you know, that's what happens when you have this this fixture congestion throughout the season but it's all right I mean last time they lost a, a Champions League final to Real Madrid they rebounded pretty well the next season so I uh I look forward to their Champions League campaign in, in 2022 and 2023 so a couple of things we'll say number one Scotty mentioned it we we called out the winner from deep from episode one uh we also pretty much predicted the matchups in each segment right each level the, the quarterfinals semifinals finals I think we gave a pretty good representation of how things were going to go and what you should be betting on. So hopefully you guys listened up, would have made a lot of money on this Champions League season. We all did pretty well over here. Uh, But it was just one of those games, Scotty, where, you know, Real Madrid survived the onslaught early on. All the pressure coming down at them. And you knew if Liverpool didn't get a goal soon, Real was going to find a way. And that's exactly how the game played out. Yeah, I mean, credit to Courtois. He played unbelievable. Uh, he had, I think, two After being on the or three, three. Yeah, two or three really great saves. Uh, but other than that, I mean, a, a lot of these chances that Liverpool were getting, obviously they had, you know, a, a dozen of chances or so. They didn't really trouble him much. I think there was obviously the Mane shot and the Salah shot in the first first half, but then a lot of them were just right at him where they were just putting it over the, over the crossbar. I, I can't tell you how many times I saw a Liverpool player like Trent or Thiago uh, or Fabinho just – hoof it way over the crossbar. So uh, you could tell when those were, were, were happening that they're getting a little bit of desperate. And usually they look to Salah to kind of open the scoring when they start to run into those moments. But Salah just didn't look like he was on it. Yes, um, too many games. You said it. And, it, you know, when we get into our transfer speculation episodes later this, this summer, uh, it'll be interesting to just watch that saga. Obviously, you know, Mane seems to be moving on to Bayern. So yep. I'll focus me on trying to re-sign Salah. But He's asking a lot in the last six months of the season. I don't know that you know, his play justifies it. Did they, um, did they make the World Cup? Egypt? Yeah. I think so, yeah. If they made the World Cup, that's another yeah. wrinkle you got to throw into it because you saw what happened with the fixture list yeah. this year. I mean, that's just – anything could happen out there. You Again, know, I mean, we, we were talking about I'm not – you know, 34-year-old wingers don't move the needle for me. I mean, Salah's 30. You know, this, right. this contract is going to take him probably into his mid-30s. So, yeah. And he's a guy who relies on pace more than anything. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, But again, you know, close it out. We did give, I know Scotty abstained from the pick, but we did give out Real Madrid plus 260, saying that that's an unreal price for a team that's defied the odds and made it to the final. Hopefully, you guys hopped on board with that. 
Um, and then there was another pick that I, I think we took, and that was uh, our boy coach Steve with Roma in the conference league. Uh, I know we tweeted it out, but they were a real good value on the money line. They wound up taking that game home. Take us through that game, coach. Yeah, I mean, it's been 14 years since Roma's won any kind of trophy. They, they, that was their last Coppa Italia. We know that teams outside of Milan and, and Turin don't win the, the league at all, right? The last time was, I think, Roma in 2001. Lati was the year before that, and nobody, nobody's won. So it's hard to win a Scudetto if you don't play up in the industrial north. Uh, and Roma's been uh, in hard times outside of, you know, Champions League semifinal. Mourinho was brought in to change that mentality, and that's really what it comes down to, right? And, you know, people will scoff, oh, it's the third-tier competition. Mourinho hasn't really proven anything yet. But what Mourinho's done, which is in, is important, I think, as, as a Roma fan, I can say, is that he's changed the – mentality and the culture around that club that's why winning the conference league became so important for Roma because he's trying to build a project to then compete at least for the top four and maybe eventually a Scudetto in his three-year contract and what he's done and I mentioned on my other podcast across the Romaverse against Leicester Johnny Evans said you know we couldn't break Roma down and it was the same thing with Feyenoord who is an attacking power team he's gotten Roma to a point where they're organized they defended well Patricio had to make two big saves at the beginning of the second half but other than that, Roma never felt out of control of that match after Zaniolo got the goal. And which did is, you ever, ever, ever think you'd say that, Scott, or you'd hear anybody say that, or you'd see Roma keep clean sheets in the semifinals and finals with a back line of Chris Smalling and Roger Ibanez? So did, I saw Chris Smalling got some award at the end of the season. Was it was it the player of the match for the uh, conference league? or was Best it, dreadlocks of the season or something like that. Or did he get player of the season for them? I saw he got some award. And I, it, I, saw the I don't know if I he got shot. player of the season, but he actually – you guys, I know the couple matches you tuned into, he had not very good matches. But, but he has been the key to the back line because he is the more veteran – uh, level-headed. What you have to understand when you're playing this is what I'll, this is what I'll say. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you because somehow he had to play next to Ibanez, who is quite possibly the worst defender outside of Theo. Uh, they they might they it. might get a nice payday for Ibanez, so I that, I would keep. An I eye can't now, imagine but... why because that dude is fucking garbage. But so, anyway, you know what? Smalling had to sit yeah. next to him and somehow not give up goals. Yeah, Smalling sort of credit uh, for that. Smalling had a good season in the, in the center of the back line. Rui Patricio coming in was big for them because awesome he, he steadied the, the, the back line too from a goalkeeper position because, you know, they dealt with Paul Lopez and Robin Olsen post-Allison, and that was a disaster. So that combination, Mourinho organized the team. Mkhitaryan got hurt in the first 15 minutes or so, which kind of put a wrinkle in things because he was coming off an injury. But Roma looked good. Nicolo Zaniolo, who's been much maligned this year, coming back from his two knee injuries, scored the goal. Very good ball from Gianluca Mancini over the top. Uh, to Zaniolo who scored it. I forget what minute it was. It was probably about halfway through the first half. And then Roma just, they stayed in control. Hey, championships, championship. Uh, we did give out plus 145 Roma on the money line. I know coach and I made a little money off of that. Deserved the win. Great end to the season for them. And I'm sorry, just to, to end it. Did I, did I see Mkhitaryan's going to Inter for some stupid amount of money? Uh, he's on a free transfer. So if it's stupid money, it's a stupid amount that they're paying him uh, the wages contract. Were, the wages okay. have to yeah. be high. Uh, yeah. Roma wanted to keep him, but at, when you're a 34 year old midfield type player, you, there's gotta be a limit to what you pay him. Right. I mean, this is so, the same thing. It's got something about Perisic. You know what? We're, we're, we're not going to spoil it. Cause I know we're going to get into that on a future episode, but what, what's inter even thinking over the last two years? I, I, I'm not, don't even answer that. I'm sorry. We're going to save it, but that does not look like title winning business to me bringing in that guy yeah i don't know i mean he was very good for him but at his age i don't know what they expect him to 
you know, that's not the the move. I don't think that puts them over the top per se, because they made the similar move with Jekyll, like you said, last season. We'll see. We, we'll see how the, the market, you know, shakes out and what other moves they make. But I, I wanted Mkhitaryan back because he's been good for Roma. But I think Inter's at a different level than Roma right now. And I don't think that's the one that puts them over the top, you know? He's taking up space for younger players who could flourish or a better signing coming in. If you can get rid of him and sign somebody five years younger, you do that all day long. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends who they can bring in right in at what at what cost and from a Roman perspective because the budget's not going to be there that Inter or some of these Premier League clubs have. But I have to give a shout-out to Mourinho and to Carlo Ancelotti while we're here. They are two older managers. Maybe people thought quite didn't have it anymore. Mourinho, dinosaur, they would say tactically. His tactics played out very well for Roma, especially in the Conference League. And, and Ancelotti, I mean, we were talking about this maybe being one of the worst Real Madrid teams we've seen in a while, right, on paper. And they didn't have as much competition in La Liga, so they kind of ran away with it. But they beat a Liverpool team that was playing for a quadruple. So they they have to have – it has to have a lot to do with him, right, with the way he managed that team. No doubt about it when we mentioned that extensively on our uh, Champions League shows. Sure yeah. did. So before we wrap, guys, I know Nick has some special awards. We've kind of given out a few. We've talked about some of the movements we started this year that really panned out. But Nick, what are your end of season awards? Um, I, I can't take full credit for this list because Scotty actually coined the term. We are going to go forward with it. It is called the hashtag bandwagon. Yes. Band <laughs> as in band from the bet slip. These are the five worst teams, according to me, of this year. You guys feel free to debate it. Let me run through it. Let me know your thoughts. Number five is SC Braga. That's a team out of Portugal. Oh, yeah. We don't really care about them, but That's an we're easy out one. in Las Vegas, Scotty's bachelor party. Uh, they ruined our very easy Porto win. I don't know how or why they won this game. No business winning it. So they yeah. just ruined the entire vibe of that soccer trip. Braga, second place in Portugal, playing a Porto team that had to play Liverpool on either side of the weekend and just completely like Braga should have won that easily. And, and there's a lot of motivation behind it. Shit the bed. So Nick and I lost money on that on and the I, list. I also, I took them a couple of weeks later. I don't know, just because <laughs> I, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was like, Oh, I'll give this team another chance. Nope. Lost that game. <laughs> never to betting Braga. Never again. Hashtag bandwagon bandwagon. <laughs> you Number do four. realize that Braga was eliminated from the Europa league last season by Apollo Fonseca's Roma. That just said, say something about Braga. D- didn't, but had I known that they would have <laughs> never even been considered for that. <laughs> Um, number four is man United. I just, you know, terrible yep. year from them. Um, it was kind of one of those teams. I think I won one bet with man United this year. Uh, they, they let me down anytime odds were somewhat favorable. They're playing a team that's five, six places below them in the table. Couldn't get it done. They're banned. Also lost to Everton, which is one of the main reasons why Everton are now still in the premier league. And I believe that was the game. That I'm, you probably bet on them. Yeah, yeah I think they were like, minus, I think they were like minus one twenty, and Nick's like, when are you ever going to get United at minus one twenty? I'm like, yeah, I'm with against that. that. It wasn't even yeah. United; it was against Everton. It's when yeah. you get a team playing Everton that's minus one twenty, yeah. can't count on United. Uh, number three, we spoke about them extensively. It's Atalanta hashtag Serie B, but they were a disaster on the bet slip this year. Number two, the silver medal is Chelsea, another team. I, I just <laughs> for whatever reason bet them to win or loss. I was probably one in 20 betting Chelsea games this year. They're dead to me. And I, I, think I know number one. Everyone knows number comes. one. Number one, the official team that has been banned from the bet slip. The driving the bandwagon. It, driving the bandwagon is Juventus. 
fuck them. Don't ever bet on them. Even when I unban them and bet them, they lost in miraculous fashion every time. And Glad Curtis, to see the season over. Credit to you, Nick. You also did call them making Champions League when they were like eight points out back in January, which they yeah, did too. So somehow, there's no doubt about it. They still lost every match we bet on them, but made it into Champions League. So they and did get one prediction incredibly right. Incredibly so, right? So that means they went on some sort of run to take them from like 10th place to fourth place. They were even in third place, I think, for a while. Somehow we didn't make any fucking money on them. No. So that corners, is the ultimate band. They're also the number one offender of hitting four corners in the first half and then zero in the second half. I lost on the money line. I lost on them corners. I lost on team totals. I've lost on overs. Every which way you can fucking put Juventus in a bad slip. We lost those. Oh, bets, yeah, including that. Me. Second it all to last started, week. It where, all started, where, though, with that Atalanta-Juve match, if you remember. Right? That was the one when, who was it? Somebody from Atalanta scored real late. No? Yeah. Malnovsky No, Juve tied that up real late. I oh, Juve tied late. That they, right. they, Juve wait, wait, hold like on. Shit. They were the first podcast lock of the week. That's right. That's Juve right. Juve at Atalanta, and Juve couldn't even fucking beat a terrible Atalanta team who I that's think had right. like two yeah. shots on goal the entire game. And they took yeah. like a 90th minute that's right. an equalizer to get the push, but didn't help us on the bet slip. Did not but the, the number one, though, has to be, I think it was like two or three weeks ago when they played Genoa and Nick had... I think team over total. team total over, over one, and one and a half and coach had the under total two and a half. General yeah. wins two to and, one. And they give up the 97. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. 97 minute penalty. Yeah. He missed so. the wide open net two posts from Pogba. Just yeah. Everything that needed to happen for them. Unbelievable. To but yes. Fuck that game up. Driving yeah. the bandwagon for next season. For so sure. guys do not bet Juventus. They will not be bet on next season. They're still bad. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps the episode, right? You guys have anything else to, to shout before we wrap it? Do you agree with my list? Or are we oh, 100%. Is that a good consensus top five? All right. Okay. Yeah. Put a lot yeah. of work into that. I just will say when you texted me from Vegas that you were betting on Braga, I was like, what in God's name are the two of them doing? That's all I, that's all I know. Hey, man, we were in Vegas. And I will say, Scotty, we must have hit every other oh. soccer bet other than that. Yeah, I mean, I we, we were on fire. I was, I think, 12 and two in Vegas. And then I came back and literally went over 20. I showed Nick my, my DraftKings yeah, app. It was over 20 after that. So what are you going to do? But yeah, I mean, stay tuned for us. So we're going to be covering Nations League this summer. Obviously, we're taking care of the the transfer window. podcast of Nations League right here. Picks and picks. You stay with us. We're going to get you some winners. So we're going to have lots of content coming your way in the summer. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be talking Nations League at some point next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the listen.